This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. All you need is a ball. The official podcast of the WFFA. I'm Daniel Rosenbaum and welcome to the world of freestyle. Are you guys ready? I've been freestyling for 15 years and for me, it's the best sport in the world. Yes! Oh yeah! That was insane! Oh yes! During my time, I have met some incredible characters, and on this podcast, we will find out more about their amazing stories. All I need is a microphone, and all you need is a bowl. All you need is a bowl. Today's episode of All You Need Is A Ball is the UK country leader at the WFFA, Mr. Steve Gray. Steve performs in stadiums like Old Trafford and Anfield, and is helping to oversee a revival in the UK freestyle football scene. But is there more to come from Britain when it comes to freestyle on the world stage? In terms of the level, it's great. We've got a lot of like really good, hungry, young guys coming through who are pushing the level. And with a little bit more battle experience, you know, it wouldn't shock me that we see them, you know, in like a, a stage like this. This episode of All You Need Is A Ball was recorded during the Red Bull Street Style World Final in the magnificent Pula Arena in Croatia. I was commentating on the live stream, so Niall, the producer of this show, spoke with Steve. So let's hear what they had to say right now. Steve Gray, what's up, man? Hey, how's it going? Thank you for having me on now. We're stood here in the arena. Obviously, people listening won't be able to this see this. This is but th- some view. It's unbelievable. This, this is incredible. I mean, it's definitely giving me Lecce 2012 vibes you know for the Red Bull Street Style World Finals but yeah this is an unbelievable view to say the least. A few people have said this you know do you think this just shows Steve how far freestyle has come in the last few years that we're able to see the world champs in a venue this special? I think it does in a way I mean freestyle football wherever you take it has always had a little bit of a visual spectacle to it but I think that having it sort of back in a 
a coliseum arena type feel to it has really amplified that um and you mentioned earlier in the day when we were chatting about um indoor outdoor yeah the fact that it's going to be back outdoor again i really like that and i think it's just gonna add to the atmosphere even more i think some of the other ones you know they were great great setups but because they were indoor they could have been anywhere in the world. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It was the day before Red Bull Street Style. So if you hear Lorenzo, who you've already heard on the podcast before, talking away, doing his master of ceremonies business with the best moustache in the world, you'll know why. So all the freestylers are setting up, doing a bit of a rehearsal ready for tomorrow's yeah, world champs. Everyone's busy. We're trying to sort of be amongst the thick of it, but also <laughs> stay out of everyone's way at the same yeah, time. So if you hear any noises, that will be uh, Lorenzo setting himself up. When did the freestyle journey start for you, Steve? Good question. So for me, my freestyle journey, I think I really sort of started properly March 2008. Wow. Yeah, that's the date I, I work off of. That's my anniversary. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it's been it's been 14 years for me. Uh, I'm still as passionate as ever. I'm still um, competing, training, performing, yeah. teaching. I'm kind of doing everything I possibly can with it, still trying to take it as far as I can go. It's had lots of highs and lots of lows as well. But um, yeah, it, it almost I would almost go as far as to say, I'm really glad that I've found my calling in life with it. Yeah, we'll get on to all of the details of what you do a bit later. Steve, talking of being a teacher, tried to teach me how to do an around the world earlier. Need I can juggle, work. but Need my word, work. <laughs> I'm embarrassing myself by even trying. We all have to start somewhere. <laughs> we, well, where did you start then? That's a good point. So you um, say you've been doing it for 14 years, 2008, a long time ago now. So, so what was the point where you saw freestyle football for the first time and thought, that is a bit of me, I want to give that a go? I'm not sure what the exact moment is in which I thought, you know, I've discovered it and it, and it had the label and the name freestyle football, but I've always you know well for starters actually a lot of people get into freestyle football as being failed footballers right I mean, us being from the UK yeah it's quite common There's a as lot well. of failed footballers in the UK <laughs> oh yeah but um no for me personally I never actually played for a football team okay. I never played an 11 side team or anything but I always played at school played with my mates um I'm always interested in the skillful flair side of the game and everything but I just saw videos on YouTube mm. early and was just like infatuated right. like instantly just like wow was there one freestyler because a lot of people say Ronaldinho there actually no, there, was a, there was a few Ronaldinho was an early influence for sure those you know Drogo Benito adverts uh, and everything but if I was to name a few names some of the earliest people that I saw would be um, John Farnworth who's uh, actually a very good friend of mine now and lives like tw uh, like literally 20 minute walk from me okay. uh, which is mad um, but also I'm trying to think some of the other early ones um, Billy Wingrove actually oh yeah um, from yeah. the F2 freestyles yeah, yeah Billy Wingrove actually believe it or not was one of the first like people that I saw uh, like a video of on YouTube um, but a really big name a household name within freestyle a real pioneer for the lower body moves mm. um, was a guy from Sweden who went by the name of Pale yes um, you might be familiar with that yes, name yes I am invented yeah. the Pale around the world Amazing. and many other things um, he really sort of I was like wow because no disrespect at all to Billy Wingrove but once I saw what Pale was doing with the ball I was like this is insane and other people as well like Pavel Scorer and stuff all right. kind of stemmed from that because it's weird having sort of listened to the amount of episodes we've done now of All You Need Is A Ball a lot of the freestylers we've spoken to have said the same thing it's they, yeah. they have one freestyler or one moment where yeah. it almost twigged in their mind they were like this is incredible and I want to start giving it a go yeah no I think I think I was always one of those kids who was very happy with a ball at my feet and everything I, I recall my parents 
parents taking me on a lot of like uh, like camping holidays and stuff. Didn't necessarily have someone to play with. So it's just how can I keep myself amused with sure. the ball? Yeah. And I think even before I discovered, you know, really sort of putting in the time to methodically learn these tricks, I was always trying to do, you know, something with a football. Right. Um, but then once you start sort of, you know, seeing that there's all these other videos out there and there's a whole community yeah. out there, mm. that's when you start sort of like maybe taking it a little bit more seriously. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I want to ask you about the UK community in a minute, mm -hmm. but first sure. you talk about your parents taking you on holidays and stuff. <laughs> yeah. What was it like for Steve Gray growing up? So I was born in High Wycombe, Buckinghamshire. I moved to Bristol at the age of four. I lived most of my life in the north half of Bristol. I went to university in Bristol. Um, did my master's degree and everything in there. And then, um, yeah, th but then I've been, I've moved up to Manchester and been there for, I think about three years now. Um, but growing up, yeah, it was good. I had a very, I had a very, you know, blessed childhood, I think in comparison to some people. Um, and football was always like a, a very, a very big part of it. I started freestyle at the age of 15, which I guess you could say, um, I mean, certainly looking around at, you know, some of the freestylers nowadays is very late to the party. Mm. Um, and I was always just kind of like a slow and steady, you know, kind of like just quietly going about my business um, with it and trying to sort of like learn lots of new tricks and everything. Um, but yeah, no, it was good. Very, a very integral part of my identity growing up as well, I guess. I think through school, it was certainly like, oh, Steve, that's the kid who's doing all the football tricks. Did people think thing. that was cool then? Were you like the coolest geezer around at school? Bit of, from... bit of both, to be honest. I mean, it's at that weird age where um, it's good if people see it in person and they're impressed by it. But at the same time, there's this like, I don't know what it is. Like in the UK, if you go, if you go almost like too far with it or whatever, uh, you know, they felt weird like... Uh, seeing you know like oh why well, you posting videos on youtube oh it's so sad what are you what are you going to get out of that you know blah 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 um and also i think as well it was very hard for some of my closer friends as well maybe to understand like why i dedicate so much time to it but even then it was for genuine just passion and enjoyment more so than anything even at the age of 15 16 17 18 you know so when did you first start to meet other freestylers and start going to jams and meets and stuff like that when uh, was that a thing for you i know that my first ever like proper freestyle meet i mean actually i was very fortunate i had two people um who i went to school with um one called sam one called kieran um they started freestyle like you know sort of the same time as me so the fact that they lived so close was definitely uh, looking back on it actually must maybe take it for granted but having someone that you can go out and train regularly with is really good for motivation um, and that would have been around about the age of yeah like 15 16 um, first ever like proper freestyle meet I was absolutely blessed because the first time I ever went to a proper freestyle meet I nipped on the train over to Cardiff again with Sam and Kieran and we met uh, Ash Randall Alex Palmer some of these names listeners might be laughing at but andrew henderson was one of them sure so you know a multi-world champion um you know it was very very good for us to kind of get some insight from him and that sort of motivation from early on and andrew's a great guy you know he's a very good friend of mine yeah. within freestyle how long did it take you to get the confidence to turn up to a competition and feel like you can compete because i often think that you need to have a certain part of you that is confident enough to turn up and compete with people because it's all well and good having jams and meets and stuff but yeah. to then take it to the competitive level i think you need to have a bit of guts about you so when when did you realize okay i think i'm good enough to have a go at trying to win a competition um i think for me it wasn't always super competitive with competitions i think i do remind myself it is always you against you but the confidence 
to be able to do freestyle tricks in front of the general public for me is not the same as the confidence to be able to do freestyle football tricks in front of freestylers. Okay, so is it harder to do it in front of freestylers, do you this think? Is, see, this is the thing. I speak to freestylers and stuff, and some prefer it, you know, one over the other. Sure. For me, I have always, always found it easier to freestyle in front of the general public. Wow, okay. Yeah, honestly. Um, so uh, a re another real um, household name within freestyle, Jack Gregory, yeah. um, who is an absolute god at sit-downs, he... And I would have this conversation quite a lot, actually, because he um, absolutely flawless, you know, sort of like freestyler, very good at control. And he said I would have way. He said I would have way more confidence freestyling in front of freestylers because they understand the tricks. Sure. Whereas the general public don't. Whereas for me, I think that works to my advantage because sure. I feel like even today, um, you know, everyone that's here, these guys are like the top. The best, of the, the best, the best, they're mm. the top level athletes. And for me, who's not at that level, and that's absolutely no disrespect to myself, um, for me to do my freestyle in front of these guys, I know that they can critique it. Do you think it's because the general public don't know when you mess up a footstool or they don't know when you they don't they, they don't, don't know they have what, no idea what, even are, what they, the tricks are called? Exactly, I suppose. exactly. I mean, you know, I've got a, a wealth of experience in performing, you know, events and everything, mm. and for the sake of their entertainment, I throw lots of gimmicky tricks in there. The carousel, push-ups with the ball on your neck, the hat slip, all these kinds of things. But in reality, unless you try these tricks for yourself, even like you trying around the world today, yeah. you you don't know how hard each trick oh, is. It's, so it's, they can't scale the difficulty. Uh, do you think that that's almost a divider in where we see freestyle? Because we kind of had these conversations throughout yeah, All You Need be. Is A Ball, the series where you've got competitive freestyle and then you've got freestyle for entertainment. People that go out and busk and things like that. Freestyle yeah. is always entertaining. Like this event here in Pula is going to be unbelievable and yeah. I'm so excited for it. But do you think that there is a, a difference between being like a, a competitive monster and also then trying to entertain the public, which is kind of a, a dividing factor, I think, that we see in freestyle sometimes. It's interesting because I do think those who are competitive monsters, you could argue how entertaining are they to the general public? And there's gonna be little things as well, like showmanship and your people skills, you know? But I do think that either way, that confidence just comes with time. And I think that the general public have for the vast majority bought into it because it's still got that visual element. But yeah. having said that, it's everywhere now, you know? The clips of freestyle football are 10 a penny on social media. Has that and shocked you though? Over You know, 14 years you've been doing this. Has it surprised you the way it's kind of rocketing or? In some ways, yes, and in some ways, no. But the thing that has shocked me is perhaps that we talk about scaling the difficulty and everything. It's just, it's disappointing that not to go into too deep a rabbit hole with social media in general, but people's attention spans are crap now. On, on social media, Reels, TikTok, it's all heading towards shorter, you know, content, everything. And to be honest, I think, you know, less is more now for their attention spans, we're mm. catering to their attention spans. That's maybe the thing that's shocked me the most, but the popularity of freestyle growing doesn't shock me. I mean, it's, it, it's befitting that we are stood here yeah. in Pula Arena and we're about to watch the best of the best, you know, do battle mm. tomorrow. Um, so in that sense, it doesn't shock me that, you know, Red Bull and all these big brands, they see an avenue with freestyle. It's not just that visual element. It's the fact that it's got, you know, the inclusive factor, football's for everyone. Mm. Freestyle's the same, you know? And um, 
I think that there's a lot of like good morals and values to the sport of freestyle football as well, which perhaps doesn't get encapsulated in so in social media because people just see us <laughs> swinging legs around a <laughs> ball, you know. But for the most part, yeah, it's pretty good in that sense. What were you saying again? I zoned out. Sorry, attention span. I'm joking. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Let's talk about the UK scene then. You mentioned yes. Andrew Henderson, who's kind of been a, a figure for a, lo a long time. Yeah. How do you rate the UK scene at the moment? Because we see some incredible freestylers, both on the men's and the women's side. Yeah, so I'm the country leader for the UK. I'm still not quite sure how I've <laughs> ended up in that role, but um, I do what I can. And um, to be honest, the UK scene has kind of gone through some very like, you know, big ebbs and flows. And as is typical, probably with every country, life takes over and we've seen lots of you know guys come and go mm. and the uk is no different um if anything now i mean i just you know recently organized the uk champs uh last month and i was a little bit underwhelmed with the numbers of, of competitors that we had just because i know there's more active freestylers out there sure um loads of reasons why the numbers were low that's fine that's cool we take that and we move um but the scene at the moment i would say in terms of the level, it's great. We've got a lot of like really good, hungry, young guys coming through who are pushing the level. And with a little bit more battle experience, you know, it wouldn't shock me that we see them, you know, in like a, a stage like this um, in the near future. Mm. Um, same as well for the females. We've got Becca, Isabel, um, you know, there's some other girls as well. Um, so it's really good to see that from both the male and the female side of things in the UK that it's coming through. But Having said all that, there is still, I don't know what it is about the UK community. It's a little bit, um, maybe disjointed is the word I could use okay. because I, I just feel like there's this there's this thing with- um, There's that music. You, yeah, <laughs> if you can hear the music, yeah, they're doing all the sound checks and everything. But uh, when it comes to um, the UK scene, I feel like there's this underlying feeling of like people, and it's certainly where money gets involved as well. People don't like to see other people doing too well. They like to sort of always keep people right. at So is there like, jealousy, do you think, a little bit? Yeah, a little bit of underlying jealousy amongst people in the UK community. Yeah, I think there, there has always been that and it's always been reflected in some of the names that have come and gone. And, you know, I understand that like, you know, uh, why a person starts freestyle, that reason might no longer serve them and therefore they stop. But uh, I think generally on the whole, like, um, the UK community still has a, a good a good feeling to it. We're just not quite on that same level of like community spirit and like organization and togetherness and everything like uh, maybe say like the, the Dutch scene or sure. you know like all the sheer numbers and brilliance of like the Polish scene or some of these other ones, you know? So you mentioned before that you organized the UK champs this year yeah. and you're the country leader for the UK. How do you deal with that? Because you competed in the UK champs. <laughs> yeah. I saw you at Super Bowl, you were running around like a headless chicken <laughs> trying to sort people out. You were doing commentary for the live stream. Yeah. How do you balance all of these things? Because having spoken to Lacasso on this podcast series, he said that he had to make a decision at some point. Does he go fully into organizing Super Bowl or does he stay as a competitor? Because doing both was too much for him. So how do you manage it? Niall, if I had an answer for that, like, <laughs> let you know. But honest to God, I, I don't know. Like. 
I think honestly, when it comes to the organization side of it, I think I've just felt that like, um, without tooting my own trumpet, I do think I'm a relatively good communicator. And I think the UK scene has always needed, you know, there's no, uh, to be honest, no one else is gonna do it. No one else is gonna step up and say like, right, we could do this, we could do that. Um, but yeah, in terms of like, I still have high aspirations for competing as well. Like, I don't fancy my chances of winning it, and that might sound a bit defeatist, but I still want to go out and do my best and learn new tricks for each competition, and I still have that hunger and passion, absolutely. And I don't know how or why, but yeah, when it came to Super Bowl and like trying to um, do, run the social media for Super Bowl, running around like headless chicken, yeah. live stream commentary, and trying to compete, I got a little bit further than I thought as well, so I had like more battles than perhaps I anticipated. Um, I don't know how I balance it to be honest, but one thing I will say is that I'm still hungry to do as much as I can in all departments. I remember at Super Bowl we found out something about Instagram. There's only a certain amount of reposts you can do. Oh yeah. You ran out of actual space <laughs> yeah. on the Instagram so here's, story. So here's for a reposting useful, everyone. Yeah. So here's a little useful tip for people. Um a hundred stories is, is, <laughs> is the, the limit, limit okay? Yeah. Now on the day of the finals, I'm there on the side, okay? I'm trying to get the best <laughs> angles of everyone. It is like men we can't multitask. So this you was sweating like cherry picking the stories <laughs> and by the time that i had edited you know like the the nice sweet clip of yeah. pat shaw doing a backflip or whatever yeah and i'm editing it i've missed the, the next clip from like you know so that was the first time doing that and like uh it was a good learning experience but it was a lot it's a lot to um it's a lot to balance and yeah. dare i say i mean lucaso you know knew it himself like it's impossible to balance it all if you want to excel at sure one or the other okay, yeah yeah, yeah I guess. it is a bit brutal like that so so you know for uk champs just gone i felt it even more you know uh, organizing uk champs so many people to keep happy thankfully i had a great team of people with me um shout out to ash randall in particular my right hand man on that one really really couldn't have done it without him um but on the day you know ash not competing was able to kind of like man a lot of the socials and, and things on on all hands on deck right um but for me i still felt like it was like you know a lot of running around tending to the players needs and everything making sure everything runs smoothly yeah have we even just the little things that have we added up points correctly have we sure. do we have enough every water? little do we have thing a, that can stress you out every yeah. little thing that could stress me out now was yeah yeah freaking getting <laughs> to me. yeah it was tough but yeah and then in terms of competing um it just impacts your your preparation so as you compete just to kind of stay in the rhythm of it or because like you say you feel yourself and not disrespecting yourself that you're you are you're yeah. super competitive yeah but in terms of the level of trying to win do you enter the competition to test yourself more than i probably Anything? Do, I probably do have some goals. I mean, for UK champs, I really wanted to get top four. Sure. I've, I've, for the past, I think it would probably be five or six occasions now, I think for UK champs, it's always been a top eight finish for me, which is not bad. And considering that everyone's level is going up, I can take some some pride in the fact that I'm able to stay at the top eight level and like I'm turning 29 this month like I'm no spring chicken <laughs> anymore which is kind of mad to say considering like I've been there since the well not the inception of the sport but early early days of it mm. and um yeah I guess I guess you're right I guess I do it to kind of like a stay in the rhythm of it but b just to challenge myself and test myself and I do right. I do still think there's like a lot more to um a lot more to be had and a lot more to be gained. You mentioned social media a couple of minutes ago. Yeah. And how big is that in your life? Because mm. you, you've said about the positives and the negatives of social yeah. media, but it plays quite a big role in your day-to-day -day life, I suppose, doesn't it? Kind of. I mean, I think 
it's it's been heading in that direction for some time now where like in terms of earning a living off of freestyle you've perhaps got more chance of being able to do it from going down like a a social media route which to me i've never really been a fan of because for me it's well it's just fake it's it's it doesn't capture like the the purest values of like why we are stood here in an arena and everything don't get me wrong social media helps the sport to grow and everything and you have to take it with a pinch of salt but for me it does play a big part in my life but I shouldn't allow it to. Um, I think. I think being. What about around, in terms of work and stuff like that? It, it does help you, you know, get you know perhaps like clients and stuff. And it's like a your Instagram, um, your Instagram profile. When people land on that now, it's almost like a, a digital um, portfolio. Yeah, portfolio yeah. or business card. It's like an instant validator, um, which can go both ways to be honest because like when it comes to the live performances you know separating the men from the boys the internet freestylers from the actual yeah. freestylers that's a whole other you know topic of conversation because nowadays quite a lot of um not great freestylers <laughs> get really great bits of work because of their social media following which is frustrating and a little bit backwards but um mm. at the same time i can understand why people would be duped into focusing and honing in on that Got a feeling Lorenzo is ready to open his lungs up. <laughs> so you mentioned about having done it for so long now. Yeah. You've performed at Tottenham, Manchester United, oh. Liverpool, even the smaller clubs like Stockport County and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah. What's that like, going to some of the biggest stadiums in the world I love and performing? It. I love it so much. And um, that's the thing that no amount of money or no amount of followers will be able to get you. Like That buzz. That buzz. That's it. If you, you can have all the, you know, the buzz of hitting 100k followers or whatever is short-lived. I'd rather do a flawless halftime show on the pitch at Stockport County than like, you know, um, than, than, than a lot of that stuff. It's, it's, it's really like, um, it's not for everyone. That's the thing though. I think a lot of people are kind of finding out that like you could... Um, you could uh, practice a bit, show your skills online, you get roped into doing like a live show or whatever, and it just puts you in a completely different sort of ball game, that, that sort of environment. And I wasn't super confident at the start, but through the years of practice, I've really grown into it. And still after all these years, I still really enjoy performing and teaching. And, and yeah, the buzz, the buzz of like a really good show at like those football clubs or whatever on the pitch is, is really hard to describe because like, in a way, I, I actually feel like I'm surprised that I'm not bored of it yet. I thought it might have like maybe faded a little bit, but I still love it, man. Right. <laughs> so that great. was my next question, really, and probably yeah. the final question, Steve. What's next for Steve Gray? Because you're a country leader, you're arranging tournaments, you're competing at Old Trafford and Anfield in these places. You commentate. What are you doing in the next two or three years? What's happening Mate, next? I don't know what I'm doing in the next two or three weeks, <laughs> let alone. Um, I don't know. It's ever changing. But um, one thing that one thing that I've not mentioned yet is um, the, I'm doing the presenting for my goal now, doing the news for them. I've been doing that for almost a year. And that's actually been a really, a really nice um, switch up for my routine, actually. Um, and it's made it's also because I've got that gig it hasn't put as much pressure on the freestyle side of things to like earn a, earn a living and everything um, but yeah I would like to carry on like the way I'm going it's, it's, a, it's a bit of a, a crap cliche answer but 
I just want to be happy. And while, while the embers still burn in my belly and I'm still passionate for freestyle, I'm going to try and do everything I can to keep inspiring others, competing, performing, um, you know, like whatever it may be, like as, as much as I can, like on, in, all, in all avenues. And I still think there's loads of things to explore and everything as well. There's always, even the little things, like, there's always new tricks to learn. But I know that a lot of freestylers my age, they, uh, they've reached a point where like, they don't enjoy the training process anymore. They've got their skill set and they're happy with it and that's that. But for me, I'm like, there's always new things you can learn and tapping into that kind of like helps maintain your enthusiasm and like your love for the sport in my opinion. Keep doing what you're doing, dude. Honestly, it's Thank been you, great talking to you. Final thing before yep. we go. Let's go for it. What's your favorite piece of Bristolian slang? My favorite bit would probably be either tratter <laughs> or raspberries. That's R-A-Z-Z-B-R-I-Z-Z. -Z -Z. They're not raspberries, they're raspberries. <laughs> Love it. Steve, it's been a joy, man. Great to talk to you. Cheers. Thank you, Noah. Appreciate it. Always great to hear from Steve Gray and how the UK freestyle scene is looking right now. Don't forget to hit subscribe wherever you are listening to the show because there are more awesome guests on the way that I can't wait for you to hear. You can also check out the WFFA website and social channels on Twitch, YouTube and Instagram as well. And remember, all you need is a ball. This podcast was produced by VoiceWork Sports for the World Freestyle Football Association. Podcast Network.